Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hey, what is up, everybody, and welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. My name is Thomas Frank, and this is a show that helps you become a more effective student. And on this episode, I'm joined once again by my friend and roommate, Martin Bamey, and we are doing a five questions episode. So we got five questions from the College Info Geek community, and we're going to be answering them with some of our personal experiences and also some general tips that we've known, uh, experiments that we've done our own lives, stuff like that. And specifically, we'll be talking about how to make studying fun again, we talking about how to uh, structure your break times between study sessions, whether you should give yourself time every single night if you're really busy to take some time off, or if you should compress all of your work and give yourself an entire day each week to take a break. We'll also be talking about how to unlearn bad techniques, bad skills, things that you learned when you were a beginner, uh, how to go down and break down the skills and get rid of those bad habits you've learned. We're talking about whether or not honors programs are worth it, and in general, if adding more credentials and things that are impressive, quote unquote, to your resume is worth it. Got some cool personal experiences there. And lastly, we'll be talking about uh, working out, how to structure your time and motivation so you exercise more often and whether or not exercise will make you more energized or less energized. So that's what's coming up in this episode, which by the way, is going to start off kind of weird because I just hit the record button and we just kind of went with it. Also, my audio is gonna be a bit weird because I am in New York City this week and uh, staying at a friend's place, and I will be going from NYC to Vermont to do a speaking gig next week, and uh, recording this a little bit before that, so that's why the room sounds a little bit different. My friend's got a new place, and there is a little bit less audio treatment on the walls than I am used to, but I think I've got it sounding pretty good. So guys, show notes for this episode are over at CIGpodcast.com. Find that episode 98 link around the page. You'll find links to all the things we mentioned, some extra resources. And if you want to support the show, there's a link to rate and review it on iTunes, which helps bump it up the charts. Always an awesome thing to do. Also, if you're not subscribed to the show on iTunes or in whatever podcast app that you like to listen to podcasts in, that's another way to help support the show and just gets you new episodes every single time they come out on Mondays every week. Uh, lastly, if you've got questions that you want to get answered on future episodes of Five Questions or just answered in general by other smart students, the College Info Geek community is the place to go. And you can find that over at collegeinfogeek.com slash community. That'll boot you over to the subreddit. And uh, most, answer, most threads are still getting lots of answers from other students. Sometimes I'm able to chime in with my own answers and good questions will get selected for future episodes, like I said. So head on over there if you got a question. That's it for this intro. Let's get into this episode. Hopefully you enjoy it. You're probably going to sound better on this episode than me because... Uh, Take that. It's like <laughs> bad at podcasts. I have a cat just meowing in the background and then this room is barely acoustically treated. There's literally... Well, I could get a cat. There's if, two of these. I'm sure she wants in. There's two of these and I'm just balancing them on the speakers. You're just balancing them on the speakers. Yeah. All right. Because Andrew good. just moved here, so he hasn't really That's treated good. the room yet. And okay. uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, side so, note, this table is really nice sitting at it. This is a nice table. I know, right? It's pretty great. I've, uh, I don't know if you saw on Twitter. Uh, by the way, I think I'm just going to start the episode like this. <laughs> um, I don't know if you saw on Twitter. I, I saw somebody wrote an article about standing desks and how they tried it for two weeks and they yeah. didn't like it. And they were like, yeah, when I did like email and admin tasks, it was fine. But I kept finding it as like a place of dread that I didn't want to be whenever I needed to write or do something creative. And one kind of hmm. response is, oh, you didn't do it for long enough because you only did it for two weeks. But it did make me think, like, do I really need to spend a bunch of money on a standing desk or should I just continue to try to build a schedule where I'm exercising more and working less? Yeah, that's probably a good point, like, before before just investing because you can't just throw money at all your health problems and expect that to it's true. fix them. When I, I saw bought an expensive the, uh, desk. Now I'm fit. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, when I saw that, you remember that fluid stance thing? Like the yeah. weird wild. Yeah. Like that was kind of the thing that solidified it in my mind. It's like there is a point where you can go too far buying stupid crap to ostensibly make yourself more active while you do your computer job. <laughs> yeah, as you're trying so desperately to, to have Amazon fix what you could just, you could just probably do something differently and have it work out but that's hard and i i feel good when i buy things so obviously i gotta get that dopamine release yeah buying things is like that's the only step you, need to you take. feel you feel productive this is an investment in my future right when you buy the gym membership you don't need to go then you just buy it <laughs> well that makes you better than like your neighbor who didn't buy one and when i read productivity okay. articles i did that productivity stuff just by reading it Automatically. <laughs> Automatically. I read productivity stuff every day. Yeah. That's how productive I am. So I wanted to tell you and share with listeners uh, about the last episode before we get into the five questions today. So, because you know the first week of the last episode we did, which was nine life-changing books, got yes. over 9,000 downloads. Over 9,000. Yeah, yeah. I was week. wondering if you can do that. What you don't know is that it is now the second most downloaded episode of the podcast all time. Nice. Yeah. Only probably the morning routines one is My book higher. suggestions were probably why. They were pretty dope. I just, I just think that, you know. I mean, mine were full of like cringy fan fiction. So, yeah, it was obviously <laughs> If you yours. had to pick a cringy fan fiction, you did a terrible job <laughs> of picking a cringy one. To be fair, there are a couple cringy things in there. Oh, that's true. But that's I'm not, true. But I'm I, not going to spoil them because some people go, might think they're clever. I think Ryan could find you some more. Oh, Ryan definitely could. Yeah. I remember when I wrote that fan fiction article on the site. That was back when I wrote articles that were useless. Yeah. <laughs> I had my immortal up there. <laughs> to be fair, we had that other one. Uh, what was it? It was like the Lord of the Rings one where it's from Mordor's perspective. Oh, no. I remember you talking about that. That sounded cool. Did you read that one? I never read it because this is what happens when you have a Goodreads account. You have like three billion to read books, but that yep. did sound like a cool perspective. Somebody wrote, uh, somebody read it, and now I just need to know what it's called in case somebody's like, "Oh my gosh, I need to read this right now." Yeah, we'll need to. It's written by some Russian guy, I think. Need to find that. To, like, it's called. Because it, ah, it sounds really cool. It's called "The Last Ring Bearer" by Kirill Eskov. And yeah, it's like a Lord of the Rings from Mordor's perspective. Mordor being like the technologically advanced society and 
everything else has been like propagandized against them. Kind of interesting. I haven't read it yet, but someday I will. Anywho, today we're going to do five questions, and these five questions, uh, as I probably will allude to in the intro, are all from the community, which you can find over at collegeofvokey.com slash community. And the cool thing about the community is if you have a question, it's very likely that people are going to answer you uh, on their own before I get to answer if I actually can answer. So there's like, I'm looking at the community right now and like almost every thread still has answers on it, which is really awesome. I need to go through and tag these with flair still. But I answered a few of these questions we're going to answer today. I think one of them I didn't answer at all. And I want to kind of generalize some of them as well so your perspective can come in too. Because we've got one that's like about backflips. But so I'm not going to yeah, ask you well, about, <laughs> about backflips. But it's... Uh, there, you can generalize most things. There'll right. Be there, yeah, there's a, there's a common thread in there all. about just skill building. So yeah, let's get into it. Um, I've got a call with a potential speaking gig thing at 11, so we've got about an hour to get Dope. through these. Don't know if it'll take an hour, but let me pull up the questions real quick. Cool. So first question is about making studying fun again. So this person asked, like, studying has become a pain for me because I have absolutely no motivation. It's just boring. And instead of studying, I always do something more fun like YouTube or games or TV shows. And it feels to me like the only way to make to to study is to make it fun. Uh, not build in like pain things for not doing it, but to actually make it pleasurable again. And in the last 24 hours, I've learned to make a cool looking website with Bootstrap, which you've used before, uh, from Indubably. scratch. Indubitably. Only because it was fun and interesting for me. So any suggestions on how to stay concentrated and how to make studying fun? So yeah, I think this is a cool thing because I think a lot of times I just go straight to like the use B-Minder or, or make a bet with your roommate to cut your shoe in half. Punish you yourself. <laughs> yeah, like build consequences into it, which I do think is useful. But it definitely would make it uh, more pleasurable for you to study if it was fun. In fact, there's this theory of motivation and procrastination that I'm going to talk about in a future video called temporal motivation theory. Um, you might have heard me talk about it as the procrastination equation. And maybe I don't know. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you. I I think I think I remember this. Okay. Well, if uh, if any of you guys have read the book Ten Steps to Earning Awesome Grades, it's in there pretty early on, and it's basically this equation that says motivation equals the uh, product of something called expectancy times uh, the reward, and then that is over divided by um, the product of impulsiveness times delay. And so essentially expectancy is like your ex your uh, confidence that you can accomplish whatever you set out to do. Your reward is the reward itself. And then impulsiveness is how, how likely am I to get distracted based on environment, based on what's going on in my life all those factors, and then delay is how long is it gonna to take to get the reward. Now it's pretty hard to change delay because you often have like a due date or there's a certain like kind of date you're working towards, but the rest of them are very easy to change. And one of the key things I've read about with this theory is that if the reward, like the, the end reward of a task isn't good enough, then you wanna build more rewards into the process of doing the thing to increase your motivation. And I think really the the, be the best and biggest way to make studying fun is to make sure you're interested in it. I mean, because you've had the same experiences with language where you kind of pick a language and you're like, oh, I really want to know this, but it's not really interesting you, to you at the time, right? 
Well, I've gone through a whole lot of stages in regards to how I feel about everything in the last everything. My entire desires for my future have changed in the last six years. But um, honestly, as far as studying goes, I never did too good of a job at that. And to make up for it, I did more intense work on the homework. So like I had a calculus class and everybody's, oh, math is scary. And I don't inherently just like math necessarily because I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't doesn't call to me. Hmm. But when I was doing my calculus homework, rather than waiting and studying to just kind of cram for a test, while doing the homework, I would just throw much more effort into it because I wouldn't be ex- I wouldn't accept it if I could just get the answer. I would keep working through it and trying to pick it apart until it clicked. And I was like, ah, I, I get this now. This totally makes sense. And then I feel good at it. And mm-hmm. I think people just like being good at things. Yeah. So throughout the class, I'm building up a level of confidence that just says, I actually understand this. I didn't just kind of memorize it so that I could pass the test, but I actually understand these pieces. So then when it comes time to maybe study for a test or just run through a couple of problems. But so it sounds like for you, instead of trying to increase the reward or build more fun things in it, you were just taking the expectancy piece and saying, my confidence level on being able to understand this big concept is a little bit lower, so we'll break it down into something that I can easily understand 100%. Yeah, yeah, and it's a lot, a lot less overwhelming. And just for me, the idea of studying a lot of people will equate that to they're studying for a test they're just cramming and i hate cramming mm. that was always the most ominous foreboding thing ever including for language so i just never studied for language because well for that my idea was if i didn't learn it enough to take the test without it then i wasn't actually learning the language i was just memorizing vocabulary at their pace yeah but for any other course like calculus, I'm not just going to inherently remember it all. So I had to try. Okay. But I just, I think people have more fun when they, they're actually discovering what is this like? So like, uh, this reader talking about they're learning how to do bootstrap from scratch. They're building a website. Maybe that wouldn't have been as fun if they were studying how to build a website to answer 10 quiz questions, but they went a step further. They're actually learning how to use it to comprehend it a little more fully and now it's fulfilling because people like learning things when they separate it from the idea that you're studying because a class is making you and actually learn what lessons can you take from this or how can it make you a better thinker or learner or anything yeah that's actually a really good point when i got hired at the campus web development center like there was three months where they were like okay dude you know html you know CSS, you've done some work before, but we need you to know PHP, and you don't know it. So here's a book, you're just basically gonna spend three hours a day going through this book. And it was so boring. Like, I I was kind of into coding, so it was not like the worst thing in the world, but it was just going through examples in a book, doing little tiny projects that didn't really mean anything to me, and I just kind of grinded through it because I was getting paid to do it. Contrast that with the times in my life when it's been like, oh, I want to redesign College Info Geek, or I really want to put in this weird plugin, and this is the time of my life before I know Martin is good at web development, so it's all on me. 
And I would stay up for hours just like intensely interested and having the most fun ever just figuring out how to make stuff work. And it's the same exact work, but now there's context and now there's something I really want to accomplish that means something to me and that makes it more fun. So I think it's about like linking it to something that really means something to you. And that's one of the things you talk about a lot with language, which I think would be good to talk on because I don't think he's talking just about like studying, like sit down, review a study guide for a test. I think a lot of these uh, students and me too will kind of use homework and studying interchangeably which is, I think it's a good thing because in my mind, the best type of studying is where you're essentially creating your own homework for yourself. You're creating quizzes and and kind of sheets to fill out actively. So, I mean, you've had had times where you're studying languages and maybe you're just not connecting to them enough and your motivation to do them is low. So what do you do to kind of bring back motivation to study them? Well, for languages uh, in particular, the point of languages is communication. So I find that it's a lot more fun to have conversations with people or I play my Pokemon games. Most of the newer ones you can play in alternate languages. So I'll play through one of the Pokemon games in Spanish. Oh, now yeah. I'm just accidentally practicing while playing Pokemon. Same thing with uh, Animal Crossing. Tons of games, ton of TV shows, yeah. also Pokemon because it's easy to stream. <laughs> but... That's good because for me, that's like my childhood's not dead. So obviously, I'm gonna I'm gonna like it. I'm gonna cling to it. But now I'm clinging to it in a different language. Mm-hmm. So I'm studying. Not I hardly ever study. Just here's how to a little piece of Spanish grammar. That's not interesting to me outside of the context of maybe writing a little short story just to practice using it or yeah. having a conversation. There are a lot of topics where. At, at least with language and things that are meant to be used, not on big theoretical stuff. I suppose with math, that might be a little harder to mm. find some real cool thing to do with it short term. But with language, at least, if I didn't make it apply to something else I liked doing with it, I yeah. I straight up never studied my German class. I never did. I just went into the class, enjoyed the conversations enough to pick it up well, okay. and didn't study it because Chinese was more rewarding to study. So I just mm. completely shirked the studies that weren't, they weren't, uh, I couldn't connect to them well enough. So there just didn't seem to be like enough interesting stuff in the culture to you at that moment. Yeah, not, really not at that time at least. For studying but it. Yeah. It didn't have a, fair shot though since Chinese was much more challenging and I like challenge yeah and I think you can't be interested in every culture all the time with, with regards no. to language learning otherwise no you can't <laughs> force really it you can't force yourself to be interested in something you're not so I suppose sometimes you're just gonna have to find an alternative yeah. way to make it interesting to you I think there has to be a balance between your interest level and then just dedication that you have towards the subject you've decided to pursue um that's why i'm not studying japanese anymore and people sometimes ask me like dude how's your progress on the japanese thing since you went and i'm like zero, uh, zero actually <laughs> and uh, i'm not ashamed of it because i'm not planning on going back to japan for quite a while there are many other countries i want to visit i don't care as much about anime anymore you know i'll watch a little bit of it every once in a while but i don't really care to be able to watch it without subtitles there's not a whole lot about the culture that will drive me to want to know the language 
when I've got so many other things in mind that I want to do. And then on the other hand, there's figure skating, which I'm really into right now. Um, I have a lot of interest to do it. It's still very hard to wake up at 5.15, three days a week, drive down to the rink and practice for an hour while I'm still groggy. So I have to have a lot of dedication and I have to basically force myself to do it. Um, but there's still enough interest there that I don't feel like completely demotivated. There's enough to get me there. Yeah, so you need discipline and you gotta somehow find some reward in it. Mm -hmm. If it's just for the sake of becoming more knowledgeable or having fun with an output, you're doing something with it, or yeah. even if it's just pride. Yeah. Pride's a, pride's a motivator. Or maybe it could be part of an identity that you want to assume. So this is one example that worked for me. I don't know if it's like super actionable, but we talked about that Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality book in the last podcast yeah. and I did and how when I read it, it made me really interested in learning about rationality and you know cognitive biases and all these things. And I kind of got into these online communities that were talking about it. And it was almost as if there was a sort of identity I wanted to take on as a kind of person who is a lot more into these kind of subjects and a lot more cognizant of, of just many other fields. And that made me want to understand math better. And that's, that is the only reason why I spent an entire afternoon of my time going through that 10,000 word <laughs> article on Bayes theorem. There's nothing I'm going to use that for in my life. Like I'm not, nobody's coming up to me and being like, Hey, we really need you to triage these breast cancer statistics over here like that's not part of what I do and since I read it I can't think of a time where I've ever needed to use Bayes theorem but I was still interested in learning about it because I was like okay this is kind of like this I don't know almost like club of cool guys who knew all this stuff and I'm like <laughs> I, I want to learn about this stuff so I can kind of like be part of that like be a rationalist be a, a more scientific uh, you know thinking kind of person so there's the identity piece of it and then there's something that I talked about in a video a while ago which I called interest links, where you basically like, I think I talked about it with regards to reading, where if you, you can make more reading progress if you form an interest link between what you're studying and reading about and something that you like. And the, uh, the example that I have always had in my mind is when I started playing Civilization V, um, that game was like all based around world history. And at the same time, I discovered Crash Course on YouTube and I discovered the World History series. And because I was really into Crash Course and I was really into Civ Five, I had this book called The Discoverers, which is like this huge, big ass history textbook that was written by the former director of the Library of Congress. And I mean, it's a good book, but it's still a huge, daunting history book. Uh, and it's probably right behind you actually on the shelf. And I was reading it like voraciously because there was kind of like these, I don't know, it was like feeding interest over from my other hobbies, like watching YouTube and being in the YouTube community and then playing a video game I was really into. I wanted to know like, well, what are these ships? Why are these ships, uh, you know, so much better for sailing and scouting than other ships and stuff? And that it talks about that in a little history textbook. So it's kind of like linking to other interests I have to sort of build a bridge to something new that I've dedicated myself to. Yeah, that's a that's a really good, it's a really powerful concept because that's also similar to what I try to do with a lot of languages, actually. Mm. When I try to pick and choose which ones I like, I really try to connect them to as many things as possible so that 
this whole big section of things I've connected, this web based off of the language is now a part of me. This is the kind of guy Martin is. Yeah. So I think it's a sense of identity and having that identity be consistent across a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It It's really strong because a lot of people struggle with who who am I? You know, that's a pretty tough question. So once you start yeah. to see things that maybe start to explain that and you can express yourself more confidently that that just builds into everything else. Yeah. So to kind of recap on this one, I would say like, if you want to make studying more fun, maybe try to find some sort of like media that you can watch or play or something that will make it more interesting to you. Like if there's a documentary about some particularly interesting part of it, or you can dig into the history of it um, or play a video game or something that's connected to it. Or if there's a certain group of people you can get involved with, or, you know, a partner who's really interested in that you can study with, all that stuff is going to serve to make you more interested in the thing you're studying. It probably won't apply to every class because we're all forced to take classes we just don't like and we have to slog through those. But I think you could use it to some degree in most of your classes. All right, so moving on to the second question, unless you've got something else to say on the last one. No, I'm good with that. Cool. So question number two, uh, and I'm not putting names on these anymore because they're just like random Reddit usernames in the community, but the show notes will link to the actual threads so you can see the other answers from other students if you want. Question number two is when taking breaks from being productive, which is better? Should I make sure I have like a couple hours each night to relax or should I work as hard as possible during the week so I can give myself a whole day to rest at the end of it? So I guess this is like assuming you have enough work to fill like five or six full days if you're like a really busy student should you try to spread it all out and give yourself time every night or just like give yourself a full day off as a workaholic i still would say like try to do both if you can i think this kind of goes back to the i want to be exercising and practicing more so i'm going to squeeze my uh, productive hours for all they're worth so there can be less of them but I'm not sure about like if you had to choose what would you do well I've had to choose a lot in the the previous this last year because I was working a lot and with my hand uh, injury I couldn't balance things perfectly mm. so depending on the work I had at the time at, this is for my job not for not for a class or anything but I would either end up working one of the weekend days for a large chunk of time and I'd have some time to rest, rest my arms and kind of think throughout the week. Or if there was something specific during the weekend, I would end up just biting the bullet and working really late on Friday or working more throughout the week. But it for me, it depended a lot on the work I was doing mm. because sometimes there's a project or a thing you're doing where it's more efficient to just say, this is the kind of thing I need to block out four hours. I need to go be alone and work on it just the whole time. Mm. So if that's the case, maybe you won't be able to efficiently break it up throughout the week and you've just got to figure out which one's more efficient. Because if you're going to do a bad job of something for like a half hour each of those five days and you could have done a faster, better job for like an hour and a half, on Sunday or something and it would have done it then you've saved time mm. so for me it 
goes back and forth depending on the kind of work I have to do. Okay. Maybe if we take the work out of the picture, we just say the work is whatever. Um, what would help your mental sanity more? Would you want a break every night or would you just kind for, of want... For pure sanity? Yeah, just for pure sanity, like your kind of style. For pure sanity, not not given that I had to be paid to do those things. Right. Okay. Um, the will show up if you don't do the right one. <laughs> Bob Jenkins. Um, probably... <laughs> Probably the weekend. Mm. I agree. Because at least then you. Yeah, if if I get a little break every day, I get to spend, what, an hour or two free mm-hmm. on Friday night. But then I wake up knowing that I have to do it again. That those two hours are always going to be stained by the fact that I have to wake up and work <laughs> in the morning. It's yeah. kind of like how Sundays just not that good of a day on the weekend because the during the evening of Sunday, you're probably not relaxed anymore. You just, I have to go to work tomorrow. Yeah. This is terrible. I can't enjoy this anymore. Yeah. Part of the enjoyment comes from the fact that, you know, you have like a good buffer ahead of you. You're like yes, right now is you're, now you're and I've got stressed. Like seven hours to do this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going sanity, back to, I would value the weekend over the other thing. It's just for sometimes if you don't have a choice, mm-hmm. it may be more efficient to work on the, just like sacrifice a weekend but for the most part yeah yeah and i mean i'm definitely the kind of guy who will sacrifice weekends for work but yeah going back to when i had to actually create schedules for myself whether it be classes or work i was totally the compress the work as much as possible so i have free time uh when i was in school that meant like how many you know can i make all my classes fit onto monday wednesday friday so I have Tuesday, Thursday as free as possible. And then I'd either like shove all the part-time work I possibly could into Tuesday, Thursday, or just make Monday, Wednesday, Friday, like the most packed, crappiest days. And then when I worked at the big financial company for my summer internship, they had flex time. And I used that to do four 10-hour days. So I would work Monday through Thursday, like 5 a.m. to 6 p.m. or something like that. Uh Actually, no. Sorry, six a.m. to five p.m. That's a lot of okay, hours. Okay, because that was that was a, that's. I mean, it's still a lot of hours, but you upped it a little bit. I'm not good at math sometimes. Yeah, it was six a.m. to five p.m. and I had an hour lunch break, and then I would give myself Friday through Sunday as like a three day weekend, and that really broke up the week nicely because it was almost. It's not quite half and half, but it's enough where it's like your life doesn't seem like it's work with a short break every weekend. It's more like. Oh, half my time at work and then half the week I'm just doing whatever I want. That was awesome. I I felt so free, uh, which was perfect because I really didn't like the job at all. But I've always been that kind of person and I do enjoy having my break at night now. And I think that you can have both. You can have your cake and eat it too as long as you're just being productive with your hours and not biting off more than you should be chewing. Um, But if you're super highly ambitious and you've just got a lot on your plate, you may end up having to choose. And I've always been the kind of compressed kind of person. Yeah. Yeah. I think compressing it's nice because even if you're working those, those four 10 hour days, mm. like Wednesday's not that bad because you know, tomorrow's the last day and then Thursday's not that bad because it is the last day. It's true. So yeah, your brain makes little tricks. Yeah. You trick yourself and I'm almost free. That's the little bit of motivation needed to get through something that's a little more busy. Mm-hmm. Even still though, I think you could probably, give yourself, you know, 
hour, half an hour to just kind of decompress every night. And the thing that we do so often, uh, I, I don't know about you, but like Anna and I will do this, we'll like go to yoga, come home. It's like eight o'clock. Like, oh, I've got to go to bed in two hours and we'll just kind of dick around for two hours. Oh yeah. And all the time when you're just like dicking around, like, I don't know, just sitting around kind of complaining about not having time to do stuff or whatever that doesn't really get you back up to any baseline of happiness. Like you need to say, okay, I've got to go home. I have a plan for what I want to do with my relaxation time. I'm going to play Wind Waker for an hour. I need to, you know, turn on the TV and get this thing started instead of just staying around and making dumb jokes or something. Yeah. I've been trying to fix that, fix that lately. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible habit. You end up wasting all your free time and then, why, why wouldn't you just work during that time if you're not going to do anything relaxing during it? Yeah. It's not to say like sitting around making dumb jokes is bad, but I think... It's not, you... but if it's 100% of your free time, yeah. then <laughs> you're never going to... You know, that giant list I was talking about on Goodreads is not going to get done mm-hmm. if I'd never let myself actually relax enough to focus on a book for three seconds. Right. The majority of your free time should not be spent sitting around being like, oh, I really want to do this with my free time. Yeah, I wish I had enough time to play <laughs> games, but I only have enough time to complain. Nope, just play the game. Cool. Uh, and obviously, like, this is our philosophy. So the big thing is do, like, just choose one, but then sort of gauge your sanity as you go along. You know, if yeah, you feel like five days really of... personalized. Yeah, if, if five thing. days of just working nonstop is too much for you, then be like, all right, I'm going to work four hours on Saturday morning. I'm going to get up really early. And I'm going to give myself more time at night because of that. It's all, it's all personal. So number three is, so this question is a little specific at first, but I think he kind of bronzed it out. He talks, oops, I just hit the mic. <laughs> uh, he <laughs> says, how do I unlearn a bad technique? So for him, he says, I'm trying to learn a backflip, but I keep doing it the wrong way. I've managed to land it on good energetic days uh, when I'm remaining mentally calm, but usually I keep doing it wrong because I lean back first before I jump, resulting in going backwards too much instead of up. Uh, and then he continues, so he says, there are various fields in which we learn something one way and then we wanna do it better, but habit takes over and keeps doing it wrong, whereas someone who is new and would just learn it the right way from scratch wouldn't have much problems learning it. Um, so he's like, basically, how can I unlearn to override these bad habits? And this is a really good question. I've been thinking about it a lot because in figure skating, there are a lot of peop, uh, habits that skaters will pick up that become very hard to unlearn if they kind of drill those over and over again. For instance, there's something called flutzing, where there's a jump called a lutz, and I believe you need to take off leaning to the outside of your, like, your left skate or something like that. And uh, a lot of skaters will lean into the inside edge as they're going into it because it's easier. But I've read that from coaches, if you learn how to do this, it's super duper hard to learn how to do it the right way because you've learned how to get into the air that bad way and you'll just keep going back to it again and again. And backflips is a similar thing. In fact, his backflip thing is the same problem I had where I can only do them on trampolines, but I will jump backwards uh, as I used to jump backwards and I would totally screw it up to the point where I like landed on my head once. And it freaked me out from doing backflips for a long time until so. How are you alive? 
Oh, I don't know. Anna asks me this all the time. How are you alive? You jump off of schools. You do all this. How you know you're alive, stuff. though? <laughs> yeah. If yeah. you don't question how you are alive, have you truly lived? It's true. Yeah. If you're not asking, how am I alive? I should be dead now. That's awesome. And you're not alive, right? <laughs> Brushes with death just remind you how what it feels like to be alive. But yeah, so I I went one day and I read like how do I do backflips legitimately? I didn't have a coach. Um. But I went and read on it and it was like, okay, what you need to do is jump upwards and you need to swing your arms and you need to focus on pulling your knees up to your chest, not tucking down to your knees. And when I did that, again, on the trampolines, uh, it became so easy. And I mean, I, I did have to do some practice, but just learning the right technique became so easy. But yeah, it did kind of for a while take, take some time to get out of that rut of doing it the wrong way. And I was going to ask you like, Maybe with regards to language, because I know that's the thing that's the thing you practice a lot, or maybe with something like rollerblading. Um, but with language, are there like patterns you can get into, or wrong conjugations, or just kind of like bad ways of saying things that can become really easy to do if you don't have like a good teacher to stop you before you turn them into habits? Well, I don't have any language examples off the top of my head because I've mostly been working with. Uh... Nope, just got one. Oh, okay. Yes, I keep I keep forgetting to use subjunctive with some stuff, which so what's that? Would sound it would. Oh, you just that's a hard. <laughs> Did I just open up that's a hard. That's a hard one to explain. <laughs> but subjunctive. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know how to explain it. I just know how to use it because it's what? Really subjunctive weird. is a grammatical mood found in it's many languages. Mood. Oh, it's a yeah. mood. It's not the a subjunctive is it's a mood. Irrealist mood, one that does not refer directly to what is necessarily real. Oh man, this is Yeah, I can yeah, see so, why you... <laughs> so, uh, anyway, before this becomes a podcast on the subjunctive, uh, <laughs> we'll link to basically, it. Basically, I keep using something. I keep using the wrong mood when I know better. It's just that I won't hear the mistake myself because it okay. still sounds okay to me it, at least as an English speaker I'm not I'm not even sure if that thing exists in English maybe it does I but think it does examples of the subjunctive I don't recall. English it's hard to know since I never learned these terms when learning English you that's know? true because you were like a but baby the only way I could get out of this kind of habit is because I'm talking to my Spanish teacher mm. who will then correct me so this habit not only applies to language but uh, I ran into this kind of thing learning and playing instruments or doing oh, my yeah. physical therapy ex exercises. And th I, there are a lot of things where if you just do something enough times, you'll trick yourself into thinking that's an okay way to do it. Mm -hmm. But I think the best way to get out of any of these things, language, therapy, instruments, any of these things, is to break it down into pieces that are more easy for you to drill and retrain the muscle memory that you've got going on. Mm. And then to have somebody watch you do it, or even if it's just you, if all you have is a YouTube video of yoga and you have a mirror so you can see yourself make the mistake, because otherwise, if you're just, you, you can't see yourself and no expert is watching you, you might not see when you twist your ankle this certain direction that's just bad form. Yeah. You might not notice it if it's muscle memory. So you need somebody to be able to be there and say, don't do that. Do you see what you're doing there? Stop that. Yeah. You don't, you don't exactly. even feel it. It's just happening. There's so much you don't see yourself doing. Um, like first day with my coach, 
she's like, I'm going to take a video of you. So she holds her iPad up and she's like, I just need you to go around the rink. And I thought I was extending my leg all the way when I'd like push off. And then she shows me the video and it looks like my, my leg is like bent at a 90 degree angle almost every time I'm pushing off. Like, I don't know, with athletics and with things that have any relation to skating or like dancing or anything that kind of feels like you're putting yourself out there, I've noticed that what you feel like is full extension or what you feel like is like full range of movement is actually like half when you're inexperienced. And you need to like yeah, you're really not extend feedback. and you like need to feel like really embarrassed. Like you feel like, I don't know, you feel like you're being a clown or something. And it's like, no, that's what it's supposed to look like. Um, yeah. You don't know what really you need look visual like. feedback to mm-hmm. see if I move my muscle this much in a new way that I didn't know how before, what is it actually doing? Because I feel like it's a lot, but yeah. that's because I've never done anything similar. So of course I'm not going to know the right way. Mm-hmm. And if you've been doing something for a long time, uh, I'm going to use deadlifting as an example here because this is the thing oh, I, yeah, had to, I had that. to fix very recently. I learned to deadlift as a kid because my dad has been into powerlifting for years and he made us he made us do it and we went to competitions and all kinds of stuff. So he taught me how to deadlift the right way years ago. I took that all through high school, all through college, all through many different intervals of not lifting very well for a while, like being really lazy and getting back into it again and again. And all the while I kept thinking like, my form's good. I learned great form as a kid. It's obviously there, you know? So uh, about two months ago, I would say at this point, this point, maybe a little less, I went to the gym, did my deadlifting workout, figured I had my form right, did a couple sets. It was like 250, I think, um, for five. And then I went down to for my third set and I bent over to grab the bar and like this horrible pain just like shot through my lower back and I had to quit the workout. It was like horrible. I went on the foam roller for like half an hour, just lay there and I was like, crap, this is awful. Obviously, I'm doing something wrong, and that that's good. You didn't just. I'm just. I'm just weak. I need I'm to do just, it again. You just gotta fight through the pain, man. Yeah, no, that acute pain. Yeah, pro tip in athletics: acute pain is not something to fight through. Yeah, that stitch in your chest when you're running, fight through that horrible pain in your back. Quit right now. <laughs> so I wait a week, let it heal up, and then the next week comes deadlifting time again instead of going to the gym i call my dad up and i'm like okay can i come over to your house and have you reteach me deadlifting for him and i'm so glad he did i went down to 135 and i was doing he's like you're completely leaning forward too much basically you should be back on your heels to the point where if you weren't holding onto the bar you would fall onto your butt basically and then you need to have like your butt really up in the air but when you come up you need to have that head and shoulders come up first and then drive the hips out so you're not straining your back the whole time then i'm like oh i can feel just how different this stance is and this technique is to what i was doing i was just sloughing it up with my back basically and, and how long and, would that and take tricking myself figured it out yeah i wouldn't have figured it out you know or i i okay i went onto youtube and looked at a couple of tutorials before i went over to my dad's house but Watching a video uh, tutorial is only going to get you so far because you can try to emulate what you see to a point, but there's something much better and different about having somebody experienced there to look at you while you're doing it and point out that's exactly what you're doing wrong. 
even if you're taking a video of yourself, you're not an expert, so you don't really know what to look for. You'd be like, eh, I look roughly about the same as this, you know, coach on YouTube. But when you, you have somebody who's a 360 degree shot, you do. Yeah, it's true. And I don't really know how you get a 360 degree shot of a deadlift without know. putting You're the camera need on the head. People watching you anyway. I think <laughs> you need a bunch of people around you filming in every direction. Yeah. So when I went over to my dad's, I took a video of myself as he was telling me, "That's good technique right there." So I have him on camera being like, "Yep, that's right there." So oh, I can go refer idea. back to it and be like, "Okay." That's a good idea. And he's on video telling me like, "Okay, on that rep, you didn't have your butt up enough. You're like squatting down too much. Your knees are too bent." You know, you're not coming up with your uh, back and shoulders first. You need to do that. So I can kind of refer back and be like, okay, cool. And now if I'm like starting to feel that I'm straining my back too much, uh, I'll be like, okay, I need to refer back to that right technique video. So if you have bad habits, you know, you know you have bad habits, really it's a process of taking the pride out of it, being willing to go back down to easy level, back to basics, and then getting a coach or somebody who is an expert to tell you what you're doing wrong to guide you through the correct form and taking video of it if it's like something that's, you know, athletic or based on motion. If it's like a language thing that you're not going to be able to, well, I guess even with, even with language, you could take video of yourself. Like have like a video yeah, you, diary you could, or something. You could, uh, yeah, actually that was something that I've been, I've been doing in the last month. Oh, have it's you? Just like, just like getting yeah, a webcam? Just, yeah, just recording a video of like a two minute impromptu speech see what kind of things i do mm. i literally go to an impromptu speech generator for topics and i'm just like oh i'm gonna talk about that for two minutes oh that's cool so yeah, you just it's like, like so it's like, like having like a one-sided Pokemon conversation <laughs> well not even like that i talked about uh the future of books for one of them because that was the speech topic it generated oh that's because good, then that's gonna force you to I think can, of words that you don't know probably yeah, i can control my uh, study time so that I can practice improvisational talking like a conversation, mm-hmm. but I can say, I, I only have a few minutes right now. And if I was talking to a real person, I would feel guilty saying, yep, two minutes is up. Bye. <laughs> yeah. But if I just, if I just need a few minutes, if I have two or three minutes, I just record that video, then watch it, watch myself again and say, that's wrong. That's wrong. Clearly didn't know that word. So write it down, find the real one. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I've been working on a lot of new kind of techniques for practicing stuff. Now cool. That, we'll have to get into that eventually. Now that I'm out of school. Well. Yeah, it's it's cool how much time you have to design your kind of own curriculum and your own methods of practicing when you aren't in school anymore. That free time can really be a boon. Yeah. As long as you use it right. So, question number four. Um, this one might... So I want to I want to broaden this one out for you because I don't think you were in honors, but I their question not. is is honor is the honors program worth it? Like university honors program, uh, I've been looking into my future university honors program and I'm wondering if it's worth it. It's got benefits. There is no general education classes. Well, heck, that's my honors program didn't have that. That sounds that's, like a great benefit. That's, right that's there. pretty cool. Uh, study abroad scholarships guaranteed. This honors program sounds way better than mine. Uh, housing for honors only in a brand new residential facility. We had that. Um, however, I heard many mixed opinions on the issue of honors colleges, and I wondered if you guys had any opinions, or maybe if you went through honors yourselves. So this is one I did answer on the community, and my answer is on there. I'm not going to like read it off here. Yeah, let's PowerPoint presentation this. Could yeah. you give me every word? Yeah, I could just uh, just read it off and kind of like so read it, push you out of the conversation for the next five minutes. Is that's a very you know yeah, back and fine. forth collaborative way to do things. <laughs> 
Um, I was in honors. So right off the bat, I will say that the process of applying for honors was worth it just to have another challenging thing you had to do. Like as I was getting ready for college, I also had to write this big essay, had to do this application, go turn it in. Like I think it was worth it to have to rise to another challenge. And at my school at least, honors is kind of split into two different programs. There's the freshman honors program, which seems to be a lot more involved where you've got a class you go to every week for that year and there's just more you do. And then the following three years are a little bit less involved. There are honor seminars you can take, which are cool. Like at my school, there was like the mythology of Harry Potter was one. And then like one yeah. of them was like a personal statements writing class. There's all these like these little seminars that were like 30 people or less could sign up. So you had to be quick. Um, but they were on all these really interesting topics that you wouldn't typically get to take a class on. So that was cool. Um, the honors housing thing is a thing. I wouldn't, I don't know. I would say it's worth it because I was an RA for an honors hall. So I didn't live in an honors hall as a normal student. My first two years in the dorms were just in a normal, it was actually in a computer engineering learning community, which was weird because I was not a computer engineer, but my roommate was. So I was like, I kind of got dragged along with him, which is awesome because I met all my current friends, including you kind of through that. Uh, and that was super fun. Our house like was not super involved though. It was just normal students kind of doing what they wanted to do. Uh, when we had house meetings, like maybe 10 to 20 would show up out of the 50-ish kids in the hall. And we had like, I don't know, six house meetings throughout the entire semester. Contrast that. supposed to be mandatory? There's like- Like are they, are they optional? Or... There's like one or two that were mandatory, I think. Okay. Like, cause when I was in RA, there yeah. was a couple where I had to make them mandatory. It's like, yeah, you need to sign this thing. Or like, there's these things I'm obligated to tell you, you know, department of residence policy kind of thing. But for the most part, they would just be like, Hey, do we want to do this, you know, house party or have like a sister house or do something like that. Contrast that to my honors house where when I was in RA, I was, I was an RA of an honors hall and they had house meetings every single week. Everyone attended. Every time. It was like, like much, all 50, 60. Yeah, like same all number 50, people. 60 piling into the into the, uh, the den. Like no room to sit anywhere. People were standing. It was so crowded. And everyone was just like so all in on the community, it seemed like. Um, there were so many more chairs and like positions. So at ours, we had president, vice president, treasurer. And I think we had like a recycling chair or something. And they just did all the recycling. You know, barely anything. In the, in the honors house, there was every kind of position you could think of. President, vice president, treasurer, secretary. They took minutes for every house meeting. Recycling chair, events chair, charity chair. Like, all kinds of stuff. I like charity chairs. Charity chair. <laughs> I'm going to get in my charity chair. It just Well, good. I was the chair chair, actually. So <laughs> uh, I control the chairs. Yes, I am the master of chairs. The... Uh... <laughs> I was going to think of a better pun, but it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Well, look at you. That's just disappointing. Tom. The pilot to the posterior. Uh, there we go. Um, so it was like super tight knit. They all would go to eat at the dining hall together, which we did. So that's not a whole lot different. But you had this community. It just, I had this sense that everyone in the hall 
was really gung-ho about college. They were all in. They were super ambitious, willing to help each other out. And I'm not going to say you won't get that in another hall, but it's just like honors has a way of concentrating a certain type of personality. And you have to kind of decide whether or not that's for you. Uh, I was super happy hanging out with my, you know, I don't want to say these people aren't fun. Like they had a ton of fun as well. (laughs) I remember coming back to my room one night and they had lined the hall with mattresses and they had like a broomstick and they were doing like Olympic pole vaulting over the broomstick onto the mattresses. And apparently one year before I was there, they took a kiddie pool up to the fourth floor and filled it up with water and had a pool party up there. Like it was still a lot of fun and a terrible idea. (laughs) Terrible idea. Yes, it was. Uh, luckily, they didn't flood the halls. They, yeah. Um, but it's definitely like a work hard, play hard, not super party hard atmosphere. Um, there was like literally one night in the entire semester where I any, ever had anybody come back drunk. And they had responsibly enough partied off campus, didn't have to write anybody up. I was just like, yeah, go to bed. Go ahead. Um, contrast That's that. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And then I also had to do rounds. Like RAs have to do rounds where they go kind of like walk the buildings and make sure nothing bad's going on. Uh, And we had to walk through many different houses, like the whole buildings. And my kind of association had three buildings in it. So I had to go walk three buildings, which is a total of six houses. So the other five, way more problems, you know? Never a ton, but if there was ever a problem, it was in somebody else's house, not mine. So that's that's my... uh, take on the residential piece. Now, I'm making this sound awesome for the ambitious person, right? And at the end of your college, uh, your senior year, you have to do an honors project. And my kind of idea was to make College of a Geek my project somehow. But eventually, as I started looking at the requirements, I was realizing that I was gonna have to write up some giant paper about it, do some sort of like weird poster board, and it, during my senior year, I started realizing like College Info Geek is where I wanted to go. It's where I wanted to invest all my time and effort. And doing honors and finishing with honors was literally only going to get me a cord around my neck at graduation, a little gold frilly cord thing, and I would be able to put honors on my resume. And I had to ask myself, is that worth my time? Is having honors printed on my resume worth it to me to invest extra hours in this project that I could be spending doing something that I'm really passionate about? No. So I dropped out of honors in my in my senior year. And so that's my take on it, right? There's there's definitely things that were of value in it, but at the end I had to ask myself. Is the credential worth the investment of time that I could be using on something I care about more? No. And that's where this becomes a broader question. It's not just about honors. So I was going to ask you, like, was there anything that you wanted to be in in college just for kind of a credential that would have taken time away from what you wanted to do? Well, at one point, I had actually considered being in honors because I had gotten the my GPA was up high mm-hmm. enough that they asked about it. But I guess credential-wise, there wasn't a lot else that I had tried to go for. I didn't really do a lot of things outside of my major and my language interests. But that's specifically Mm. because I wanted to spend all of my free time on my language interests. So 
like with the honors question, I looked at all the stuff it wanted me to do and I just said, this doesn't provide to me what I want because on my resume, I'm going to put, I speak a bunch of languages. I had other designs upon my time. Mm. So I think it's pretty impressive that you decided to quit it in your last year. That's a very, you're very aware of the sunk cost fallacy. Good job, business major. <laughs> but yeah, I honestly didn't have a lot of things that I would have tried to do for mm. just a few lines on my resume, I suppose. Yeah, and I think you figured that out pretty quick when I went into college. Uh, well, first I came years. in a little later. That's so. true. Yeah, and you already you kind of. I think you came in. You were like, "Well, I already have this networking degree under my belt." Yeah, so I already maybe had you didn't a feel, credential. Yeah, maybe you that, didn't feel the need to scramble for resume stuff. But for me, I was kind of in that mindset the first couple of years of college. It's like, yeah, the more stuff you have on your resume, the more you win. Ta-da. So I was going for everything, like computer advisory committee. I was on the committee that reinstated students who had dropped out for bad grades. Uh, I was in business council. Like, I don't even know why I was in a lot of these things other than, <laughs> ooh, it's going to be on my resume. And some some recruiter somewhere is going to look at my resume and be like, this guy's awesome. We're going to hire him. And I've since learned that that's not how it works. You know, a recruiter might look at honors and they might look at business counsel and something in your resume and that'll kind of like give you a few points like, oh, this person is involved, this person has motivation, they have drive, they have organizational skills, that's all great. But at the end of the day, the thing that's going to make them want to hire you the most is what kind of value can you provide? And if you can align that with what your interests are and what you're really passionate about. I was See, I like using that word in right context but it always seems like the wrong context i don't know <laughs> which word passionate? passionate yeah i could say i was so passionate just about follow just follow your passion man just follow your dreams man yeah. it's like that easy if you feel just like you have up. a passion right you know this is all time like what do you feel like you have a passion for if you even have one i had one at, during my senior year that's why i dropped honors because i realized this is going to bring me more value i'm very passionate about this um there's a guest post on Tim Ferriss's blog by Cal Newport. I believe it's called The Superstar Effect. I'll link to this in the show notes. It talks about a kid who got into Stanford University, notoriously competitive university. You need really good grades. You need all sorts of involvement. You need all this volunteer hours, everything, blah, blah, blah. Or do you? Because in this article, this kid, he didn't have any of that. But what he did is he like created this organization in his free time about something he was really into and then he was able to kind of tailor his application and his uh, essay around that experience. And it was impressive enough and different enough from other students that he got in. And I think he might have even got a scholarship. I'm not sure, but I'll have to check it. Yeah, I'll link to that. So, yeah, so you don't necessarily need honors to differentiate if you have something else that you would do in its place but if you if you don't really know what else you want to do it it could easily give you a lot of benefits all those things you listed no general education yeah. courses that's I gotta great say, you could at least find out what you're doing in the first few years as you take advantage of these things and then yeah. see what happens and i mean at my school like, yeah definitely weigh the benefits too um i know a lot of my friends are pissed at me for this but honor students got plus one year priority for signing up for classes. So like if you were a junior in honors, you got to sign up for classes with the seniors 
who were first. If you were a senior at honors, you got to sign up before anybody who was in the general student population. I don't know if that's fair, but it's a perk they had and it's a perk I took advantage yeah, it's, of. It's nice. It's and not I, fair, yeah. but scheduling classes is a bloodbath. Tom, it is. You gotta, so I got to watch you know, out. Yeah. Yeah. If, you're not going to go into a battle where people like have sticks and not pick up the sword because, ooh, that's not fair, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm bringing in the sword. And uh, that honors privilege enabled me to tailor my schedule exactly the way I wanted to do it. So that was a nice perk. Yeah, didn't feel the need to graduate with it and have it on my resume. So last question, and we need to get this one pretty quickly so I can do my call. Uh, oh, yeah, yep. Yep. So he said, uh, okay, guys, this, this this upcoming semester, I will start going to my campus gym. So can anybody give me tips on how to pal- balance my time with the gym, considering that I'll also have to work out between classes? I've got a part-time job. How many hours should I work out? And uh, will this help me have more energy or will I have less energy? Quick answer on the energy question. As long as you're sleeping and eating, working out will make you more energetic by far. Yeah. No your, your body here. is built to move. And when it does, you, your energy levels will rise to match. If you sit around lethargically all the time, your energy levels will fall to match. And your mental energy is going to be somewhat correlated to your physical energy. So if you work out, if you get out and you exercise daily or just a few times a week, uh, as long as you're fueling your body and resting it adequately, it's going to have an overall higher energy level. So yeah, 100%, go to the gym, make it a priority. Um, It's my opinion that every minute of an active person is worth like two or three minutes of a non-active person because your productivity is the product of time, energy, and attention. And an active person has so much more energy and attention to spare, I think. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Because I know I can I can think a lot better when I'm exercising or when I go out and rollerblade. That's when I would always come up with my best ideas because your mind is a lot a lot more mm-hmm. energetic when you're not just watching scrubs on Netflix all day. Yeah. So what, but, are, you, what are your tips for balancing the time the time question? Yeah, as far as the time goes, I would say that unless you already have a habit of going to the gym, the only time management that is important is just pick like the minimum reasonable amount that you'll actually stick to at first to build a habit is it what are you going to work out 20 minutes a day sure maybe that's not as much as you'd want to work out eventually but if you just burn yourself out in the first couple weeks it doesn't matter what you think the best balance is you're not going to do it Mm -hmm. so building a habit first and then slowly upping the habit as you get better at keeping it and then you'll kind of find out what works best. I would personally stick to something minimum until I've proved to myself that I can handle it. Yeah. yeah we could take this to absolute minimum. Like BJ Fogg has this site called Tiny Habits where it talks about just like building a habit that will enable you to do a harder thing. Which for a lot of people, the most difficult thing about exercising is just getting themselves to the place where they're going to exercise. So maybe your oh, habit yeah. could be like, so just I'm just going to gonna show up every day or I'm going to show up two times a week. Easiest thing in the world. I'm going to show up like Saturday morning. I'm going to show up Wednesday night. Uh, and then you're there. You're in your gym shorts. You're probably going to do something. And then that's a, that's a good point. Just schedule yeah. it, put it in there. 
I've got a free hour in between classes. I'm going to step into the gym mm-hmm. dressed to do the gym stuff. And maybe I'll leave and I'll probably feel a little dumb for getting dressed and going there. <laughs> but I'll probably do a few exercises before I leave at least. See, that's the thing. Like humans are bad with sunk costs. It's a sunk yeah, cost that you went to the gym. Oh, I, you I could came just leave. all the way here. Yeah. But you, you're like, I'm going to utilize that time I invested to get here. I'm going to do something useful. Um, now, a lot of people like to work out at home. They'll do like yoga on YouTube or something. Personally, I'm more of the mind that like, I want to get into a context of exercising. And for me, that means the location should change. But if it's easier for you to boot up yoga with Tim or whatever it is on YouTube, I think that's, that was the one that Andrew's wife had on the TV the other day. Um you could do it at home as well if that's easier to get into. Yeah, or like Wii Fit. I've got that. Oh yeah, you were doing the Wii Fit. My thing. room. Been using that. Yeah, or uh, our roommate who lost what 150 pounds over the. He past? lost him. Um, I I don't remember exactly how much, but he did lose at least a me. He lost at least a Martin. Okay. He yeah he lost at least think, 130 pounds. I think more. I think more, but I don't. I don't know for sure. Yeah. And that was done in a year, I think. Yeah, that was that was crazy. What did he even do? I don't even remember. Well, I can tell you what he didn't do for years before when we were trying to help him. We we were trying to be like, go to the gym with us, go play basketball with us, you know, eat better food. And eventually he got so fed up with everything that he was like, I'm going to make changes. And he made really small changes. At first, it was like he literally changed his diet to be nothing but like eggs and rice. Oh, yeah, he did eat like eggs and rice for months. And he doesn't like uh, vegetables, so he was never into that. But and we're trying, we're working on that too. But that diet <laughs> made sense. him lose so much weight, and then he was doing couch to five k. And now at the house, we've got a treadmill. So every I don't know every day or three times a week or something, he just goes oh, down yeah, there, he's, pulls he's the treadmill out, watches anime or something. And it's not really a whole a huge change from what he was gonna do in the first place. He just moves from his chair to the treadmill. So do what whatever whatever you can do to remove as much resistance as possible. Uh, and also maximize your motivation levels to do it. For me, that means get out, go do something interesting. That's why I'm like super excited to go skate four or five, six times a week now uh, because I love that. I love doing it. If you can find something you love to do, which is why one thing I highly recommend for anybody who wants to get into exercising is like, don't think the only option is, oh, I'm going to just go to the gym because people tell me to. Like, no, think about a sport because uh that's fun that's like competition you can get good at it you can like actually see yourself getting really good it's not just like getting bigger or lifting more weight that can be motivating too but like i don't know something about a sport and what i've learned is like you don't know what sports you're gonna like or dislike until you try them because i had always skated on rentalized skates and i hated them they always hurt my ankles so much uh and then my friend andrew was just like dude let's do a ice skating class because i really want to play hockey and Someone told me figure skates are easier to learn on than hockey skates. So I went up to Minneapolis. I bought figure skates that are actually supportive. And like the moment I stepped on the ice with those things, it was like quantum leap, so much more enjoyable. And I got so much of the same feeling that I get with skateboarding and skiing and rollerblading that I love so much. And I was like, this is amazing. So now I'm like eight hours a week on the ice practicing. Hell yeah, I'll do that. And... It translates to yoga and it translates to lifting because I'm like, lifting is going to make me stronger. 
and shore up some of the muscular imbalances I have on the ice. And yoga is going to make me much more flexible, oh, which I really need back for that. to what you mentioned with studying. Yeah, you're connecting each of the pieces. Yeah, so there's and they all links. reinforce each other. For me, figure skating feeds motivation over to lifting, which I don't like doing as much, and to yoga, which I do like doing. But there's extra motivation. But now. there's yeah, there's a little extra. Mm-hmm. Oh, and and before we run out of time here, another idea: go support your local arcade and play some DDR. If you That's, have that, <laughs> yeah, just find one if there is one. Support it. I found an arcade in Chinatown while I was here and went in. Yeah, there were some real good people playing there, and I was real. I was mad jealous because they have like the brand new Pump It Up machine and the brand new DDR machine, like straight from Japan. Ooh. I don't know how the hell they got it, but nice. Yeah, we don't have that here in in Iowa. <laughs> no, no, we don't. Anyway, you guys, support what you have. Yeah, so man, we were like perfect on the nose timing with this. Hopefully, yep. I don't get the call right now. Uh, I'm gonna wrap up real quick. So, those are the answers to our five questions. If you have questions of your own, post them in the community, collegeinfoguide.com/slash/community. People will answer uh, besides just me. So you're probably gonna get pretty quick answers from other students who may or may not have not been through your same situation, which is awesome. And then we're also gonna do these question and answer. Uh, episodes regularly and we're going to take our questions for the most part from the community and uh, yeah so put them there and you'll get multiple different answers I don't know how often we're going to do these Uh, I don't want to like dedicate myself to a schedule for question and answer podcasts because like I want to let the podcast kind of move into areas where I'm interested much like the YouTube channel does so these episodes will come now and then but we'll also do episodes like lists of books like we did recently or just cool topics we're going to dig into. I know, Martin, you're researching a pretty cool one that I'm really excited to get into pretty soon. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That is it for this episode. Also, if you guys want to find the show notes with everything I mentioned, CIGpodcast.com. Not slash anything. I always think it's a slash, but it's not. It's just CIGpodcast.com and find that episode 98 link on the page. All the links will be there along with ways to rate and review the podcast on iTunes if you want to support the show and make us happy. And that's all we got. So until next week, stay cute.